The reading is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. It is on page 806 of your pew Bible. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Then bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but, with the, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You, better had, you had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him into the banquet hall and the door was shut. Later, the bridesmaids came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The house where I grew up had lots of grass to mow took a couple hours to do it all. And I was, at least in middle school and high school, the, the primary mower all summer long. I had a routine as far as which part got done first and then second and then third. I had shoes that were just for mowing. But the most important thing about the routine was to have my Sony Walkman ready. Yeah, gotta have fresh batteries in my pocket in case it died halfway into the mow. Got to rewind whatever tape or tapes I wanted to listen to before I got outside, which meant sometimes I was manually rewind. Remember putting your finger in there and manually rewinding because a couple of my homemade mixtapes were getting old. It was the late 80s, uh, early 90s when tapes were giving way to CDs because CDs were amazing. <laughs> you could just press a button and it would jump right to the next song or Five songs later, just like that, voila, tapes. They could melt in a hot car. They could get recorded over accidentally, or the tape could actually just fall out of the cassette. CDs, they were shiny. They were the future. And I remember after the summer of 1991, which, by the way, I looked up the top songs from 1991 and talk about a trip. Would you all do yourselves a favor and just look up the top songs from when you were 14? It's pretty great. Anyway, after the mowing season that summer, I knew what I wanted for Christmas, a new Sony Discman with up to three seconds of anti-skip technology. Because when you're mowing, it can get pretty bumpy. I don't think I ever asked for anything for Christmas earlier than that. So fast forward to the fall of that year, and I was with a couple friends at the Wausau Center Mall, and we found the Sam Goody Music Store. I told my friend I was going to buy the CNC Music Factory album. But which 
part of the store would I go to? Not the tape section. I headed toward the CDs. And he was like, Jace, what are you doing? You don't have a CD player. And I said, not yet. I'm getting one for Christmas. I was so confident that I would have an anti-skip Sony Discman that with the very little money I had, I stopped buying cassette tapes and I started buying CDs. That is living in hope. And that friend of mine, he got caught up in it too. He believed that I was going to get that Discman. And just to take away the suspense, I did. I did get that. Why am I telling you this? Well, because each of us and all of us share with words we say and deeds we do, proclamations about what we really believe to be true and what it is we really hope for. Our lives and the ways we live can either display our fears or declare our hope. And what we proclaim matters to the people around us. We can be more persuasive than we give ourselves credit for sometimes. People are watching you. People are listening to you. Jesus knows this, that each of us wields power through our proclamation. For better, as we have the power to draw people into our hope, and for worse, as we have the power to pull people into apathy which is why Jesus teaches this story we heard today. So there's these 10 bridesmaids who go to meet the bridegroom, which I feel like requires some explanation. I didn't get it, so let me explain how this custom worked. To get married, the groom goes to the bride's house where he and the bride's father first negotiate the marriage contract and then finally sign it. And those negotiations can take a while, apparently. But once the business side of a wedding is complete, the groom then brings the bride from her father's house to his own house, and that's where the wedding feast is. The wedding feast begins once everything's been signed, the bride and the groom arrive at their new home. This moment of meeting the happy couple as they enter their home for the first time, it's among the highest points of fun and celebration a community has. Everybody genuinely wants to be there. This is not like some humdrum event that you have to go to. For the culture of Jesus' day, this moment of greeting the happy couple, when they come home for the first time, this is as obvious an example of joy as Jesus can come up with. Have you ever been to an adult's surprise birthday party? Not too long ago, a brother among us at First Lutheran turned 60. I'm not going to name him, but I got to wait with a couple dozen of you at a local restaurant, and in the waiting, there is an excitement, isn't there? As everybody there is looking at their watch and seeing if the time has come for him to arrive, anticipating his arrival, looking into the parking lot to see whether, have we missed him? Have we missed him? It is not a humdrum, I gotta be here kind of thing. You want to be there when he shows up to be among those who shout happy birthday. And then he goes around hugging everybody and shaking hands and thanking them for coming. You don't want to be in the bathroom when he comes through the door, right? You don't want an empty cup. You don't want to be in the middle of a phone call. You definitely wouldn't want to be asleep. You want to be ready. 
because you're fully confident he is indeed going to show up. And when he does, that's going to be good, fun. There's zero chance his wife is not going to make sure he gets there. You just have to stay ready. Just like those bridesmaids in the story. They're certain the bride and groom are coming. This is happening. A wedding banquet has been prepared in the new house. Negotiations might take a while, but they're, they're not going to not come. And yet the bridesmaids in this story fall asleep. Think how you'd feel if you and your beloved came upon your wedding party to celebrate the biggest moment of your life and crickets. We're told the wise ones who had prepared for a long wait by bringing extra oil for their lamps and the foolish ones who are not as prepared, all of them, prepared or not, are asleep. At midnight, there's a shout. Look, here he comes. Come out to meet him. And they're not ready. It's a disaster. As half of them try to get more oil, but it takes too long. By the time they get back, the door is shut. They don't even get into the party. But notice as Jesus teaches this, the punchline of the lesson is not, so be prepared. It's keep awake. For you do not know either the day or the hour. Keep awake. It's not just about having all the stuff. It's about being ready, living with an attitude of readiness, staying alert, awake. So here's the thing. Jesus is literally the life of our party that we call living. Wherever Jesus goes, people get healed, teachings bring peace, food gets served. I know it doesn't always feel like a party here at church, but that's got more to do with us doing it wrong, I think, than Jesus not actually being all that fun. Jesus is the life of the party and brings actual joy to whatever gathering he's at. Even a funeral ends with people of faith singing something like, Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy. That's what we did yesterday. We had a, a funeral here for Linda Jensen. And we sang that song as we left this room because we just named it. This isn't all there is for her or for any of us. Thanks be to God. That is living with an attitude of hope. And it is catchy. People get drawn into our proclamation that death isn't all there is. I can't tell you how many funerals I've led when people who don't do church, they'll be here for the funeral and be like, wow, that was, that was amazing. Yeah, Christians are kind of amazing when it comes to our perspective on death. Matthew, the gospel writer, is writing a couple generations after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. The church then was waiting for Jesus, the life of the party, to return. But as day after day and actually year after year kept floating by, the attitude they proclaimed while waiting, well, it can be hard to sit and wait, right? 2,000 years later, the church that is us, we're still waiting. But not the kind of waiting a sports fan does, wishing their team might win it all this year, because that kind of waiting doesn't always or even usually end with final victory. No, this waiting for Jesus to return is much more like that surprise birthday party. We know in our 
bones, in our hearts, minds, and souls, that Jesus is coming, will return, because there will be an end to this world. And at the end will be Jesus. We talk about this and think about this a lot less than the people of Matthew's day, and maybe a lot less than we should. But to be clear, when we say in our confession that Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end, we aren't just thoughtlessly reciting stuff that we're supposed to say out of obligation, as though if we don't say that, we're going to get in trouble. With our confession, we're proclaiming what it is that we hope for. And those words are meant to stoke in us an attitude of hope. Hope that Jesus, God's own Son from heaven, whatever that means, born into this world, and once he was killed, he didn't stay dead. We proclaim that when the end comes, there he will be. And because he, the source of mercy and kindness and justice and love, will be then and there, we proclaim that at the end, all will be made well. All will be made whole. All will be made new. Jesus is the light of this world, the life of all our parties that would otherwise end in death and destruction and despair. And so people of faith wait for the return of Jesus, much like we'd wait for that birthday boy to finally arrive at his own surprise party, excited, a little giddy maybe, and fully confident that this is going to happen. And so the lives of Christians are to be shaped by that kind of excitement. A lot of Christians, we allow our lives, or we live like our lives are being shaped out of obligation, like, well, I've got to go to church, got to be kind to my neighbor, I'm supposed to do this. What if our lives were shaped by excitement, this kind of giddiness, this confidence? That's the point of this text. Jesus is saying that whether you're wise or whether you're foolish, whether you've gathered up all the stuff you need or not, don't fall asleep. Stay awake. Live with an attitude of hope, with a little giddiness, despite the brokenness that may be happening in your life or in the world. Live fully confident that the party is going to happen. How do we live with an attitude of hope? What does that look like? We follow the ways of Jesus who was what I'm talking about today personified. We proclaim our attitude of hope with the ways that we love, which are the same ways he loved. Forgiving each other when that other deserves our disgust or our disdain or our dismissal. Welcoming outsiders, even though they are different. Showing mercy, offering kindness, making peace being people of God while we wait. That's staying awake. Complaining about petty things, pulling community apart because your personal preferences aren't being met, holding a grudge, wanting outsiders to stay outside, these are ways we fall asleep. Both are catchy. That attitude of hope can be intoxicating to an entire crowd. And that pall of sleep can spread into every corner of a community as well. 
which is why we gather together for worship again today, to remember what it is we hope for, what it is we wait for. Maybe I should say who it is we wait for. The end will come, and Jesus is coming too. Thanks be to God. Amen.